You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. to seek Him, to seek what He has for you. One commentator said this, you can sulk or seek. It's always your choice. But before you turn away from Him for saying no, before you allow some resentment to creep into your life, before you allow some resentment to creep creep into your life, I suggest that you go to the Bible and you read all those 75 blessings we have in Jesus Christ. That'll temper any time God says no in your life. Sometimes God says no to things He asks us to do. So what is your response? In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that when God says no, our response as Christians shouldn't be to sulk about a missed opportunity. Our response should be to seek the Lord further. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7 as he continues his message, When God Says No. always keep that in mind, especially when we're in ministry, especially when we do things. We try to take everything to prayer here at the church. We try to take things into prayer. Should we do this? I don't know. Let's try and see if it's God. We go back all the way to 1 Samuel 14. David and Jonathan, um, excuse me, Jonathan and his armor bearer. I think the Lord wants to do something today. Let's go up and see what we can do. If it's of the Lord, he'll show us. If it's not, he'll show us. See, that's stepping out in faith. You can't step out in faith and fail. Not if you're stepping out in true faith. So Nathan says, do all that's in your heart. Go to the Lord. See what's happening. Now this is the first mention of Nathan. David had other prophets around him, yes, but Nathan seems to be the prophetic voice of God during David's reign. It will be Nathan who confronts David with his sin in Bathsheba. It will be Nathan who anoints Solomon as king. When David's gone. So David tells Nathan that he wants to build the Lord a house. And Nathan says, do all that's in your heart. Basically saying, take it to the Lord. If it's the Lord, things will work out okay. So they go to bed for the night. They snuggle in their beds. And all of a sudden, a vision, bless you, a vision comes to Nathan. A vision comes to Nathan. Let's look at four through seven. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in the house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Nathan receives this message from the Lord. Go tell the king this. Although the language is a little bit uncertain, if we go to 1 Chronicles 7.14, 
After David made his resolve known to Nathan the Lord, the Lord came to Nathan at night and says, Go tell my servant David, you will not build me a house. Go tell my servant David, no, you can't build me a house. The answer from God was crystal clear. No, David will not build me a house. No explanation. Just said with love. No. And that's how God works with us. You know, the answers to prayer, you've said it to me before. God answers prayers in three ways. Yes, no, and wait. Here he's told David, no. But you're going to see that God wrapped up his no in some wonderful promises. That's what I love about God. When he says no to you, it usually means there's something really great that he has prepared for you. When he says no to this one thing that you really, really want, this one thing that you think of is him, God didn't want me in Upper Township. God wanted me here in Lower Township. This was God's plan. This was God's plan. Me too, every day. Every day I thank him. This was his plan. He didn't want me up there. He wanted Matt Stokes up there for Ocean City to go. That's what he wanted, because that was a big ministry. He didn't need me up there. He wanted me here. See, God says no, and then he has this wonderful things that happens. It's wonderful. I love it. And the message that he gives Nathan comes in two parts. It comes in two parts. The first part of the message, God basically reminds David that, hey, at no time have I asked anybody to build me a house. Have I asked you to build a house? At no time I've ever asked anybody. I didn't ask Moses to build me a house. He built me a tabernacle. He built me a tent. And he was perfectly satisfied, he said, to travel with the people in the tent. God was perfectly happy. So here the Lord says, I never even asked Moses to build me a house. One commentator said this that I read, David wanted to do more than God commanded. This is a wonderful place to be in our relationship with God. I like that. Wanting to do more than God commands. It's a wonderful place to be, but we need God's help to do these things. God has to show us that we're going to do these things. Sadly, most of us get stuck in thinking, how little can I do and still be blessed by God? That's wrong thinking, folks. We never really want to do more than God commands, but David does. God said no to David. But then God continues in the second part of his message. His second part of his message to the king is wonderful. It's glorious. In fact, we call it the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant where God makes a covenant with David. It's a glorious time. It's a glorious picture. And even though God said no to David, he never says no coldly. Instead, he whispers into your heart that tentative word. He said, this is my word. It is well. It is well. No, you can't do this, but oh boy, do I have something for you. It is well, David. It is well. And the second part of God's message, God starts reminding him of all the things he accomplished through him and all the things he's done for him. Let's read 8 to 11a. Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, 
I took you out of the sheepfold from following the sheep to be my ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and have and no more and move no more, nor shall the sons of the wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over the people Israel and caused you to rest from all your enemies. What was God saying? He was saying, David, you're a shepherd. You are a shepherd. I called you out of the sheepfold because I saw what was in your heart. I saw you protect those sheep. I saw you go after the ones that strayed away. I saw you come after the animals that tried to chew them up. I saw this. I know that you're going to be someone who cares for my people. You're going to take care of my people. And you could lead them and guide them according to all the plans that I have. Now, he said, now that Israel is in this land and they are at peace, David They need a careful leader. They need one who really, really cares for them. Not a temple. That's why God called you, David. That's why I called you, to lead and shepherd my people. He wanted David to be a shepherd full time, not to worry about some construction. Not only did I remove you from the sheepfold, but I went before you. I took care of all your enemies. God had always been with David. We know that he protected him day after day, when he was in exile, all the times that he could have been killed, all the times that Saul could have caught up with him, God was always there protecting him, helping him to prosper. And David's name became great in all the world. All the world knew of King David. All the world knew of King David and how great he was. I think we need to remember always what the Lord has done for us. I think at the forefront of our minds, we need to know what God has done to us, which led me to a small study. I went and did a small study on Monday morning, and I looked about the many blessings we have through Jesus Christ recorded in the Bible. And I started looking at these things. Besides the greatest gift of all, salvation and eternal life, I was able to come up with no less than 75 blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. 75 blessings that we have in Jesus Christ all throughout the Bible. 75 blessings. I think we need to remind ourselves of these. I think we need to remind ourselves of what God has done, not only on the cross, but what we have because of the cross. What the cross means to us and how we have what we have through that. Here the Lord is reminding David of all the things that he accomplished in David's life. The Lord says, I'll establish a worship center I'll establish a worship center. And if you go to Deuteronomy 12, the Lord declares there that he's going to choose a spot for them to worship him. He will choose a spot. He will choose the worship center. So when we get to verses 11b and 16, we come now to the actual covenant. Let's read them. 11b. And the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. 
When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish this kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Yo, Dave. I bet you forgot all about building that temple. (laughs) Actually, he didn't because he spent years and years collecting all the material to build the temple. But it's always interesting to me that when the Lord says no, he then tempers our disappointment with wonderful and magnificent blessings. But blessings are even greater than we can think or imagine. If God has said no to you, you have a choice. You can hold your breath. You turn blue. You can stomp your feet. You can sulk. You can mope. Believe me, folks, when God shut down that thing in the upper township, I think I did every one of them. You can turn away from God. Or you can learn and continue to seek him. You can learn and continue to seek him, to seek what he has for you. One commentator said this, you can sulk or seek. It's always your choice. But before you turn away from him for saying no, before you allow some resentment to creep into your life, before you allow some resentment to creep creep into your life, I suggest that you go to the Bible and you read all those 75 blessings we have in Jesus Christ. That'll temper any time God says no in your life. Because there will come a time when God may say no. There will come a time. God has given us the capacity to know him. And he gives us dignity upon our lives when we once didn't have dignity because of our sin. We are children of the Most High God. If there isn't dignity in that, there's not dignity in anything. I'm a king's kid. God is my father. And I can point to him. If there's not dignity in that, I don't know what caused dignity. God cared so much for us. He cared for each one of you individually. He cared for each one of us in the entire world that he gave his only son to die on a cross for us. Every one of us. Even after we trampled the blood of his son while we were in sin. Even though we trampled the blood of the covenant at one time because of our sin nature. God still loved us in the midst of our sin. If you can't see that, because God says no to your life one time, you need to repent and come before him. And although God denies David his request to build him a house, God rewards David's great resolve because what David wanted was good. It was a good thing. No, David, you can't build me a house, but I'm going to build you a house. What? You're going to do what? 
I'm going to set up your seed after you. Here God specifically promised a monarchy. A monarchy that would be from David's lying down. A dynasty, if you will, that would come directly from David's seed. It was important for God to repeat this promise specifically because there had never, ever been a king that had been succeeded by a son in Israel. The only king they ever had was Saul. And all his family was dead. Saul's family was basically extinct. From your seed, David, will come the true king of Israel. From your seed, David, will come the true king of Israel. There will come one after you, long after you. He will be from your seed. He will build a house in my name, and his kingdom will last forever. What is his house that he will build? Church. The church is his house. He inhabits us. He's in us. We are the church. This is the building that we meet. But each one of you carries Christ within you, and each one of you are the church. And collectively, we make up this building, church. But he is with us. He's in us. We are what he is being built here. Family of David ruled for almost four centuries. Family of David ruled for but eventually they were removed because of evil. But yet, in Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2, it says... Out of the stump of Jesse, out of the stem of Jesse, God raised up a new branch forever and ever. He says, I will be his father, and he will be my son. The writer of Hebrews takes this verse and attributes it to Jesus Christ. Attributes this verse to Jesus Christ. God promised David that the reign of his dynasty would last forever. Forever. Now, each of these promises that we studied were partially fulfilled in Solomon. He was David's son who succeeded David to the throne. Solomon ruled on David's throne. God's mercies never departed from Solomon, even though he sinned greatly. And Solomon did build God a magnificent house, a magnificent temple. But prophets foretold of a greater fulfillment to these promises. A greater fulfillment. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise up David, a branch of righteousness. I will raise up to David, a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute righteousness in the earth. Now this is his name, which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and upon the throne of David, and over his kingdom to order it and to establish it from that time even forever. Dr. Luke, writing his gospel, says in Luke 1, 31, 33, And behold, Speaking to Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you will, name, you will call his name Jesus, for he will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. God's promise to the house of David is completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. The one verse that you might be struggling with was it says, if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of sun. 
Jesus never committed iniquity, but he took all of ours upon himself. He took all of our iniquity upon himself. And men beat him and put him on a cross and killed him. And he took all of our iniquity on our sin, on him. Jesus reigns. He's reigning today. And he will reign on David's throne forever. Forever and ever. The Father's mercies never departed from Jesus, even when he became sin for us. The Father's mercy never parted from him. Jesus is building the Father a magnificent house. You can find that in Hebrews 3, 3 and 6. Like we said, it's, we are God's temple, 1 Peter 2, 5. The church is the new house, and for now, God dwells in us. God dwells in us. So remember the blessings that we have through Jesus Christ. I can't go without saying my favorite line, all this and salvation too. It's incredible. And although God may say no in your life, there might come a time or has been a time when God has said no to you. He will always have something much bigger and much better afterwards. If you continue to seek him, if you don't stomp away mad and go out in the backyard and eat dirt and worms, God always has something better for you. If you would but seek him with your whole heart, seek him with every ounce of your being, day by day. Be a David. Always focus on God, not just in the hard times, not just in the bad times, but all the time, all the time. He should be on your mind constantly. You should always be thinking of him, always be saying something to him, always be praying without ceasing, rejoicing always, and giving thanks for God. This is his will in Christ Jesus for us. Always. You can be just praising him out of your mouth. Wake up in the morning with a song on your lips and praise him. Before you go to bed, praise him again. Think of songs during the night. Praise him while you're doing housework. Praise him while you're working. Praise him. Just continue to praise him. Keep focused on him. Keep him at the forefront of your mind. And then when that trouble comes, he's right there because you realize he's right there. Most of the times we forget about him because things are so great and then trouble comes. Where are you, God? Wait a minute. He never left. Now, David truly was a man after God's own heart. And we're going to see this King David rise to such fame in the next several chapters. We're going to finish out chapter 7 next week. This glorious statement of David, after God tells him all these things, after God shows him all this beautiful, wonderful things, David's response is simply, it's like he can't speak. It's like he, he can't even form the words in his mouth. And I feel like that so many times as David looks at the Lord and looks up and goes, who am I that you would do this for me? I hope you feel like that, because I do. Who are you, God, that you would do this for me? That's where we're going to pick up next week in verse, uh, actually, verse um, 18. Verse 17 says, according to all these words, according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. So Nathan 
was faithful to God. He was a faithful prophet. Can you imagine him going into David and said, uh, got some good news and bad news. What do you want first? <laughs> I mean, he was faithful. He didn't sugarcoat it. He told him exactly what God had told him. And that's important. And that's important. That he was real with David. And David realizes, wow, God, you're going to do this? Who am I? Who am I? You are Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through 2 Samuel when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of Scripture, getting to know God better through His own Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Or just visit assurehoperadio.com. If you're not able to join us in person, we are streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just follow the link you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message on Assure Hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover God doing great things in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another edition of Assure Hope.